As we saw in the weekly church news, we are in week two of our Bible study going together through the Being Challenge. We're in week three of our sermon series, and this week we're looking at studying Scripture. And our verses today are coming to us from 2 Timothy. So if you have your Bibles out, you can pull those out. We're going to look at 2 Timothy today. Uh, That's in the New Testament, written by the Apostle Paul to Timothy. The words will also appear on the screen as we go through them together. We're going to look at specifically chapter 3, the last little section there. Uh, But it's always good to have our Bibles out, marking them up, because I'm going to take us through a few verses before that as well. Now, 2 Timothy was written at a time when the Apostle Paul was in prison and he was in Rome. And this time, though he had been in and out of prison throughout for what he had been doing for Jesus, this time he was facing certain death. So this letter has the character of a final charge to Timothy. It's a letter with special meaning, and these words that he writes carry great significance because this is a personal letter. It's not one that's written to a a whole church or a whole congregation city, but to one person, one person who he viewed as a son. And the power of this letter is that it pulls us in. It's, It's hard to read this letter, friends, and not be brought into Paul's longing, into his pain, into the charge, the exhortation, and the heritage that he shares in this letter. It's honestly top three of my favorite letters in the New Testament. Second Timothy is great. Because it's a powerful reminder that none of us are here on our own. None of us can stay here either on our own. We need each other, and above all, we need the grace that our Father so freely has given us in Jesus Christ. And so Paul writes his letter in the same way that he usually starts, with greetings and reminiscings of the power of God's Spirit, of family, of grace, the essentials of the gospel. But the point of this letter is very clear. The word of the Lord is our strength. The word of the Lord is our strength. We're to be laborers who are not ashamed of the gospel, the word of God, but faithful. That even though we are living in end times, to know that we are partaking in something, something eternal, something worth giving everything for, and something that is completed not by what we do, but has already been completed by Christ Jesus. Paul's last words would tell us to rejoice, to take heart, and to participate in this life with Jesus. And I want to read just a few of these verses to you. These are from the first two chapters. So if you're following along with me in 2 Timothy, you'll see these. The first one is verse 5. He says, Paul, Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you. He writes later, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. The spirit of God gave us, doesn't make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or about being a prisoner for him. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. He writes later on, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with the inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. He says, mark this, these may be the last days, but God is faithful. This is a powerful letter. All scripture is powerful worthy of our time, worthy of our constant reading. Paul here says that the gospel is what makes the form and pattern of our lives. He says, keep to the pattern and sound teaching that you have heard from me. Faith and love in Jesus Christ. Keep to a pattern of sound living. Faith in Jesus Christ, love in Jesus Christ. It's a path of movement. 
You know, the author of Alice Wonderland, anyone know who that was? You can shout out like the first graders do. It's okay. Except in your class, Mrs. Demarest, I know. I'm not saying that Mrs. Wellett, Missy, you guys don't have shouting either. Walt Disney's close. It was actually his friend, maybe? Lewis Carroll. Now, he said, if you don't know where you're going, any road will do. But Alice in Wonderland was a Disneyland movie, so good job using your context clues. You will go far in life. Now, not so for us, right? If we don't know where we're going, not any road will do. There's no fog distorting our view. We know where we're going. We're walking on the path with Christ Jesus. We're going for the crown of righteousness that he has won for us and gives to us when we see him face to face. And on this path of participation, our walk with Jesus, Paul hammers the point home here that we are never walking that alone, no matter what stage of life we are in. Each one of us plays a part in the participation of following Jesus not only in our own walk, but also in the walk of others. For Timothy, he pointed out how it began with his grandmother. And then it was handed down to his mother and then handed to him. And no doubt, if Paul had a little bit more quill and parchment, he would have mentioned an uncle or a sibling or a cousin. Because that's the role the family plays in raising people in the faith and love of Jesus Christ. This isn't a get around to it if I can, or if you're looking for a little something extra from God here, the purpose of family, Deuteronomy 6, right, from the church to the Jews to the way we are to be a family is that a generation to generation family of believers teaching and showing faith in Jesus, love in Jesus. That's the role. And every family struggles and has problems from the very first in the garden to ours today. But we are called to take up the challenge of raising in the faith and love. Answering like Joshua did, who stood up and said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Families rooted in the faith and love of Jesus. Not called to be perfect fathers or perfect mothers or even perfect children. We're called to be loving, kind, and patient with one another. Can you imagine a home that is defined by the love that you share with each other, the patience that you show to one another? Not the successes or perfection, but love and gentleness. Homes that are full of hope, of talking and telling and pointing out the work that God is doing in your family's life. Teaching your children the stories and pulling them into the participation of following Jesus. That's the role that Paul took as the spiritual father for Timothy. He says this in verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, all the things that have happened to me. I endured because the Lord rescued me from them all. Each of us add to the faith life of others. This text shows us that no relationship is unimportant when it comes to building one another up in the faith. See, Paul didn't merely teach Timothy these things in an academic sense. Timothy learned them by carefully following Paul's example. Friends, Christianity is not taught only, but it's caught by seeing how you live. And that all began with Timothy catching Paul's way of life. The reason Paul lived the way he lived was because he believed certain things. And what you believe is going to determine how you live. Friends, Paul lived his life immersed in the Word of God. He read as he lived and lived as he read. 
He never separated the Word of God from his life or worked in the Word of God when he could or said, you know, that's something i got to get around to. I do got to get around to reading a little bit more. He was the bearer of the Word. He spoke it and did it. Same goes for Christ Jesus, who is the very Word made flesh. The way of life that we have been handed down is from God Himself lived in Jesus Christ and captured in the Word so that we can live that way of life, so that we can experience it and cling to it. Paul talked about purpose. His life had purpose because it wasn't without direction. He knew where he was going. Now, we may not all get blinded on the road to Damascus and have Jesus appear and tell us exactly what we're going to do next, but friends, we do have this, right? Psalm 57, 2 says, I cry out to God most high, to the God who fulfills his purpose for me. God fulfills his purpose for me. That's why we're spending time looking at these keystone habits, because they are part of the way that we live in God's purpose for our lives. Last week, we talked about being part of a community. Today, we're looking at God's word and how it forms us. We'll get to prayer and worship. God designs these things to bring joy and peace and fulfillment and purpose in a way that all the other things we chase never can. You want to remove uncertainty and you want to remove fear and that feeling of being unfulfilled in your life. You cannot do that without the word of God, without his voice speaking to you. It's what creates faith and patience and endurance and love. Paul had the faith that we all have, and Timothy wanted that and had it as well. We read this and want it, and we have it too. That's the promise that he is in us, that he will give us what we need, endurance to last. You know, it's not an accident that studies show that there is a direct correlation between regularly scripture engagement and the amount of hope that you'll experience through trying times. When you are listening to the voice of God, spending time with Him, it gives us hope in the hard times. Because we all go through struggles. I think it was St. Frank Sinatra who said, that's life. But really, friends, when you are a Christian... You always face persecution and suffering, but you don't face it alone. And that's the difference. Facing it alone or facing it with the Lord and with the community of believers. Paul's telling Timothy, this is the way to do it. To have a life rooted in the word of God, in Jesus, and find victory in the cross. John tells us that's why the very word was given, so that we could know and believe that Christ Jesus was the Son of God and by believing have life. That's the real way. The Bible studies that I've participated in, my prayer partners I've had, life groups, activities with other in the word of God, they're not some ideal, perfect thing, but rather they're real. There were people help us and show us how to follow Jesus because they're struggling with and dealing with the same things that we all are. We are all in need of hope and promise. The hope and promise found in Jesus and in his word.
This letter is only four, maybe five pages in your Bible, depending on how big the font is. But this tiny letter has a profound impact on us. And maybe you've experienced something like that, just a little bit of writing having a profound influence on you, a card, an email, a text, standing before your child at their bed and telling them that you love them. These words define us and are important to us, no more important than what we find right here. And if you missed it, go back and read it again. Because Paul said that the one who spoke those words to him started with his grandmother, went to his mom, and then went to him. Our way of life and our participation together encourages and helps keep us in the faith and love, gives us the endurance. And my prayer is that you can be that for the people that God places in your lives. But if you try to do that on your own, apart from Him, it is impossible. Because we need Christ Jesus, we need His Word, and we need the community that He has established. Because it's not just community for the sake of having others around. It's community that Paul never mentions without the Word of God being present with it. Look what he says in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it, how from infancy you've known the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. He tells Timothy that his family spoke and taught him the word of God. Paul spoke and taught Timothy the word of God too. We live with people because it is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's why when we pray today, we will celebrate with those who have given and had received new life and baptism, and we will mourn with those who have lost loved ones. It's why we will speak the names of the people together because they have asked the people of God to pray for them. It's because we spoke the same words of confession together and received the same words of absolution together. It is that word of God that brings movement to us keeps us going. Paul says it makes us wise for salvation. In Romans, he talks about how it's how faith comes. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through those who speak it. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of God's word in your life, and I cannot emphasize the importance of you speaking God's words to others in your life. Because God takes very small things like written and spoken words and brings life. You ask our first graders how God brought and created the world and they'll tell you that he spoke it into existence. And he recreated it through the word made flesh in Jesus. And with words spoken at the fount and at the table, He keeps his promises to us that we have been recreated to know, to live, and to share. Because this word of God is not a list of do's and don'ts, nor is it vague and unclear. It is the foundation of all life, speaking to what God has done and invites us to participate in it. It's told in a story, a story that invites us in immerses us with a way of looking and seeing God. 
Paul closes it out by saying, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God is thoroughly equipped. You look at that word useful, it can be translated, I think, beneficial, or my personal choice is profitable. For some reason, I hear useful, and I think, oh, if I have time, then it sounds very useful. Maybe I'll use it. But profitable usually has a connotation with money. But here, it would say that without the word of God, there is no profit to life. There is no life worth living. But we learn and we participate. We continue in what we have been convinced of. We take this word of God, this God-breathed promises to us and give it the run of the house. And then you will not be minimally equipped. You will not just make it. You will be thoroughly equipped to be a hearer and a doer of the word of God. To know what we have been given in Jesus and to participate on that path of life that he invites us to. I'm going to invite the band back up right now to sing us in these next couple of songs about this word of God that we've been given. Because the very best part of being in God's word is not that you find out new ways to live, though you will. You find out who you are. You find out whose you are, who you belong to. For the word of God does not lie. And it calls you his child, forgiven, loved, called, and equipped. So I say we continue with this worship study. We continue diving into his word. We pick up this charge to fill our minds and our time with the voice of the shepherd to be transformed, to live as we read and read as we live, never separated. And if you're like me and you want to make a sweeping declaration, say, I'm reading the whole Bible tonight. Start small and off, and I said that last week. Don't measure yourself up against your past. Be motivated by what God is doing in your future the future that he has prepared for you. And you will see that his words define you. His words guide you. His words fill you with hope and peace. They move in you and bless you. And in times when you are dry or weary, thirst for his word. The times when everything is dark, cling to it. Remember what he said, we don't live on bread alone or donuts but on every word he spoke. Because his word leads us to a life out of the darkness and brings us close to him.